CFF presents 1% Better, a podcast about CrossFit, nutrition, coaching, mindset, and community. Join us as we embark in casual conversation to shed light on what life is like within these black and yellow walls. With episodes coming at you every Monday, you can follow along with Coach Whitney and Taryn as we talk shop about all things CFF. All right, episode 44. We're almost at 50. Six more to go. Do you ever think we get to, we always ask this, do you ever think we get to 50 episodes? That's almost a whole year with an episode a week. Except we- Which had, isn't true. <laughs> yeah, we had some mishaps there in the middle, but like we're almost at a full year of podcasts. I feel like you ask this question every time, and I think my answer is the same every time that- <laughs> I did not think we were going to get here. It's kind of cool that we have, though. I really enjoy doing this every week. Are you just saying that? No, I mean it. Like, we've taken our everyday conversations, and now everyone gets to listen to them. (laughs) Poor people. (laughs) All right, so we're on episode 44. Today we're talking about how a coach can go from good to great, what it takes to go from good to great. I love this one. Like, just like on the trend of things I try to be as a person, the culture we try and create within the gym, like it just falls in line that this is sort of the trend we want with those we surround ourselves with in all aspects of our life, right? Like Mm -hmm. not just being okay with maybe hitting the check mark on the list. It's like, what else can we do with this? When I think it comes to back to like last week and talking about growth and yeah. not being complacent. Exactly. Yeah. So what does this mean? Like, what are, what are we going to cover today? Um, well, I think we can start by talking about like, what are the bare minimums to being a coach? And we've covered this before. Yeah. And obviously like to step into any CrossFit affiliate you either need a CrossFit level one Mm -hmm. or a PT certificate to work with just one-on-one individuals or like small group clients. Yes. That's the bare minimum. And that literally is the bare minimum. And you and I would both agree that we don't believe, and I know that there's CrossFit seminar staff out there who also believe this, that the level one certificate does not prepare you to be a good coach not even a good coach like it does not prepare you to be a coach yeah a coach in general just because you solely on its own methodically list the points of performance of a movement doesn't mean that you have the eyes capable of seeing that in a person or teaching it you know it's just like it is literally the skeleton Mm mm-hmm or, yeah, or like knowing how to correct it and knowing the faults or yeah, anything like that. Or just how to run Time a class. Line. Yeah, timelines. Like, yeah. In level one, they literally do not touch anything about a class. No. And so, Which, and rightfully so. Like, I don't think they should. Right, I mean, yeah. I can get on a soapbox with this. Like, I think it's, it's laid out accordingly and appropriately. The movements get covered first. And then the level two is what actually talks about coaching. Level two is what makes you a coach. Cause I, I took my level one, not wanting to be a coach. Like I took my level one sheerly or merely to get more understanding of CrossFit, yep. which is what the level one is. Yeah. Understand all realms of CrossFit and everything that goes yeah. into it. Learn more. The movements, the physiology behind it all, like mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, so when we bring coaches on here, they are all coming with just their level one 
And I think that's why we have, and we've talked about this before, made our internship program the way it is, because it does follow along the lines of something that would get covered in the level two. All the seeing and correcting, all the timeline stuff, like that gets the whiteboard brief. Like we talk about that at in depth with our interns who come on um, board with us simply because just walking in with your level one does not make you a good coach. I, like I love the level two. I love the level two as well. It was my favorite. I, and I've said this many times and on our podcast before when we've talked about it, that level two was worth more than my university education. And I will stand by that. And that is incredible thing to say. They've done such a great job with that level two. And I love that we've been able to sort of mimic it Mm -hmm. for our coaches. And honestly, if they walked into a level two right now, they would hit it out of the park because they've been, they've been living the level two every second week for since we brought this program into, into play. And I think we can jump off there. Like in terms of going from good to great, it requires effort in continuously being better and understanding your craft and constantly searching and unpacking the whys behind movement, the whys behind faults, the whys behind like even as simple as a warm up or how a workout is supposed to be and the intentions. And we do that here every other Sunday with our staff to constantly be better. And I think a lot of it has to do just even before you get to those points Mm -hmm. is your own desire to want to do that, to want to understand it. Like you have to have that desire. Mm -hmm. I don't think enough people take the responsibility that they have as seriously as they should. Mm -hmm. Like people, our clients walk in here and every day they trust their health and fitness, their health and well-being, their mental health, like all of that. They, they have entrusted us to look after them. And I don't think it's taken as seriously as it should be. And arguably I fell into that rut too. I was just going to ask, like, has that changed for you over 10 years? Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. The more involved, I mean, I'll just throw myself under the bus here. Like I was uninvolved because I was so involved in my own training, like doing what I needed to do in that regard. And when all of a sudden that has disappeared and I've been able to put myself back into this a little bit more thoroughly, like that is, and maturity too. That's another piece of it. Mm-hmm. Understanding the level of entrustedness they've put it on me, right? Like mm-hmm. these NSI conversations are some of the best things that have been eye-opening for me is that how, in what types of positions people come in here and they need that help and guidance. Mm-hmm. And so this is something that needs to be taken seriously. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why I'm so against hobby coaches. Yeah. Like you, when you say, I want to be a coach because I want to help people, like you should be able to define what that means to you, what that help factor means. And if you can't, like, if you just think that helping people is just what it is, like, I don't think it means as much as you think it does to you. Mm -hmm. You have to take this seriously. Well, and I think our internship program has brought to light, like for those that have been in it, what actually goes on in coaching behind the scenes yeah yeah like and and again we've talked about this before but it's not just a stand up read the board be a cheerleader i was just about to say that any monkey can read the whiteboard yeah exactly and there is a lot of investment that goes into this and always room for improvement and i think you're right i think somebody 
who is doing this and being a great coach is invested on constantly improving. Yeah. And like in turn, you get to benefit Mm -hmm. from it as a person, Mm -hmm. but then like everybody that you work with is now made so much better because of the effort you have put into yourself Mm -hmm. now carries over into them. And yeah, they might be coming here for a workout, but now they're getting a lot more because you are so invested in them because you take this seriously. Mm-hmm. Like it's a craft, just like you said, yeah. you need to be able to, to hone your skills and deliver that service because they're like, this is a serious thing. Like people's health and fitness and mental wellness and all that shit. That's not, oh, excuse me. <sighs> there it is. Like that's not something to be taken lightly. Well, and I think too, if you want your athletes to be better, you can't settle for being an okay coach. Like you have to constantly be pushing your own envelope so that you have more to offer them so that they can get better. If you settle on yourself, what makes you think you aren't settling on others? Mm -hmm. For sure. Refer back to last week's episode on complacency. (laughs) That's come up a lot. If you haven't listened to last week's episode, do that now. Press pause and go check that one out. Um, I think we can like, in terms of like linking education and understanding, like what you are doing, I think understanding what you are presenting to your client is also important, whether it be the workout. So like your whiteboard brief, like understanding the workout, not just showing up and reading the whiteboard quickly and going to coach a class. You have to know what you're doing. You have to. So, and this is, I'm going to kind of go off side tag here. You have to understand what that workout is, yeah. why it's on the whiteboard, what we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. But I think the greater depth to that is you now have this group of individuals that you're giving this information to. Mm-hmm. And because our coaches are so invested in our clients, they know things about those clients. So they know why they're there, what they're trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. And all of that is different for each and every one of those individuals. And our coaches have the ability to take that workout and be like, all right, your goal is weight loss. So here's what I want you to do on this workout. Mm -hmm. Your goal is here to get stronger, or you just need to be here for your mental health. This is what I want you to make of this workout. Mm -hmm. And now we've taken this one workout. We've given you the different ways that we want you to individualize this, like for your skills and your Mm -hmm. fitness level. But now we've taken it one step further and we're able to administer this workout to you based on why you're here. Mm -hmm. Like that level of understanding, I would say is very rare for someone to be able to do that. And that's, you need two layers to that. Like you need the desire to do that, but you also need the education and the caring element Mm -hmm. to be able to do that. Yeah. Right. Like if I mean, that's the greatest thing about our coaches is they know those things about our clients. And arguably that's the, the change in the culture and everything that we've done around here is we're more invested in everybody. And as a result, this workout on the board, like, I mean, I can't do, I'm not that great at statistical math, but how many different variations of that workout have we just made because of all of this information that we now know about our clients mm-hmm. because we care. Mm-hmm. And I think that, and another tangent, I think that when people first start out as a member, even coming into group class, like that is their biggest fear, that they're going to be doing something different than the person beside them because they're new or because they can't. And it's like, no, like it is my greatest success when I have five different versions of a workout happening. That's our responsibility. Yeah. 
Like sure. that is your responsibility to make yeah. sure that that person is getting what they need yeah. and what they need is not the same as what the other people standing around them are. And that person next to them needs something different from the other people. Like, mm-hmm. absolutely. And I think that's been something super fun with our pregnant members right now, because that looks very different and it looks very different month to month. And I think that has been cool to watch that process happen. Um, like just today, for instance, back squatting, like I'm going to go super light. Okay, cool. Go super light, but let's add some tempo to this. Like that is different than what other people are doing, but that's appropriate for you right now. Or like yesterday we had that bike wall ball and, um, rowing and somebody's pregnant in class. We're not increasing intensity because that's not what you need right now. Let's be consistent across 10 rounds. Like that was super fun for me to make it individualized for those people. And I even, and I mean, that's intentional yes. changing. Yeah. I even love it. Like, and I spoke about this last week too, is I had five different people in one class yeah. all had different injuries. Yeah. And sure. in a matter of a split second, I had five different workouts going on, Yeah. you know, still getting the same intention that we needed out mm-hmm. of that day in that workout. But yeah. I had the ability to recognize where they were in the rehab process or yeah. whatever yeah. it might be and figure that out on the, on the fly for them. Like that's, I was just really proud that day. Like yeah. that is cool. Five different workouts just like that, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, absolutely. And then I think that comes back to another point we can talk about being going from good to great is that caring factor. And I always tell like our new interns, like I can teach you how to be a good coach. I can teach you to understand movement. I can teach you to see movement. I can teach you to correct movement, have a good timeline, give a good whiteboard brief, but I cannot teach you how to care that just is either in you or it's not in you. You either do or you don't. So what does caring look like? I think just... Because it's not simply, hey, whoever, how was your day? No. That's like, that's yeah. the bare minimum. Like that should be an that's automatic. Just, that's just being a human. Yeah. Right? Well, for some people, I guess. I think it's just like being invested in those people, understanding what's going on in their lives, what they're passionate about. We, we talk about this a lot, like family... What are, what's the word? That Ford. Ended, Ford, yeah. Family, occupation, recreation, um, recreation and dreams. dreams. Yeah, like Being knowing able, those things, yeah. right? Understanding their family life, understanding like what they do. And like I know this client has two kids and I know their kids are both in soccer and this one is getting an achievement for this or mm-hmm. is struggling doing this. And I can have that conversation with that client because mm-hmm. I know that information about them. Mm-hmm. I, when I work with the interns too, and we talk about dreams, mm-hmm. you know, I always get that like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to ask him straight out. Like, mm-hmm. what is your dream? Like, mm-hmm. no, but I know that this person's goal in life or whatever is to buy a vacation home mm-hmm. or do this with their professional career, whatever it might mm-hmm. be. But we care enough to have those conversations all the time. Or we care enough to build that trust so that those conversations organically happen, Can happen right? Yeah. yeah. So that we understand all of those things that are important to them. Like you were just talking about, you had a client come in, share about him renting his house and buying another house. I have a client who's also buying a house. Like they come in telling us those things yeah. and like sharing that stuff and sharing their, that their kids worked out with them or, and, and yeah. it's not always just like the good stuff either. Yeah. I had another client come in who's, their dog is about on the back line here and not doing so hot and came up to me and said, this is look like 
the first thing I said is, Hey, how's it going today? And they said to me, like, this is what I need to tell you. And so they gave me that information mm -hmm. and I was like, cool, what do you need from me today? Yeah. Like this is a, a private session we're having. Mm -hmm. I have a plan for the workout. Yeah. Doesn't mean it's the right thing right now. Yeah. They gave me the information. We changed the workout and they got what they needed from that session because she was able to share that information with me. Yeah. That's a success in my books. Like you trust me enough to give me that information, to be that vulnerable with me and to trust me that I can change this workout so that you have a positive experience in light of these negative things that are going on. And I think like how many other people just go in to the gym, do their workout, pick their shit up and turn around and walk away. Like yeah. what kind of experience is that? And I think that's so important because those life stressors severely impact your workout yeah in so many ways mentally physically and to build that trust and to know that that openness is there whether it's a pt or a group class there's that openness to talk to your coach because you know your coach cares and will take care of you in terms of making modifications giving you different focuses for your workout like that is so important and take it one step further sometimes they don't even bring it up yeah but you we can tell know. because yeah. this is just an element that we care i yeah. know that you have walked in here with some heavy rocks on your shoulders yeah. like I'll get that out of you. Don't worry. You yeah. don't have to tell me exactly what it is, but I know that something's wrong yeah. and I might have to adjust what we do today. And yeah. that's okay. Yeah. That's my responsibility. And even like getting messages from members who celebrate like things, Hey, I just did this or Hey, next time I'm in, I want to try this. Like one of my uh, PT clients said, Hey, next time I'm in, I want to do a weighted, a weight vest burpee box jump. Whoa. I know. And I was like, who requests that? But like, that's what she wanted to do. Like, and just to like have those conversations and see that they're thinking about these things outside of their hour here or whatever, their half hour once a week, like that is super cool. And they know that I'm going to be super excited about that. And I like to share those moments too. So I guess kind of like to wrap that part up is like, your investment as a coach doesn't start at the front door and it doesn't end at the front door. It doesn't start when you say, when you press that clock at the beginning of your hour, you hit no. three, two, one, go or tell them time is done. Like if you genuinely care about the work that you're doing, your extension of yourself is far outside this building. Yes. And that's just an automatic thing. It's a natural thing. Mm -hmm. And that's and a hobby coach will never do that. What was interesting, um, Michelle, one of our coaches said to me, like she was maybe like a few weeks in and she's like, it was so nice. A member sent me a message saying they loved this class and whatever, whatever, and asked for my advice on something. I said, hey, you know you've made it when they're reaching out to you outside of class. They now respect you, they now trust you. They believe in you as their coach, as their superior. Like this is a good thing. Like you are now, moving from good to great. That's awesome. Yeah. It was really cool. Cause I remember that experience too. Like they're asking for my help outside of class. Oh, I wish I had these moments. Like pe I, I mean, feel like you did, but you probably just didn't know. That's what I mean though. But I've never been in the position where or I was not like the, where I was not the person in charge or whatever you want to label it as. Right. And that's so great for her. I'm glad she got to experience that. That's awesome. You know what I mean? Like I've always just yeah, been in like, yeah, you walk into the gym, I'm going to tell you what to do. If you need me, you know, like I am here. Like, yeah. There's like nobody. It's, that precedent was always yeah. just set. Yeah, it wasn't something true. I had to earn. True. Or like somebody could bring your attention to. Yeah. Cause they're, yeah. 
So I think it's cool that you guys get yeah. to experience that. I'm Absolutely. a little jealous. I'm envious. I'm not going to lie. Somebody needs, somebody who hasn't reached out to Taryn needs to reach out I guess to I'm Taryn and ask for her help. I take it for granted some days, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, because it's like part of it's the always job, just there, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I thought that was really cool when she shared that with me because she was super excited. I was yeah. like, yeah, that's a sign. Because I remember you saying that to me, like, they trust you. Like, this is how they look at you now as a coach. They need your help. They need your advice. So that is, that is really cool. Um, oh, I had something else and I forget. What else do you think makes a good or takes a coach from being good to great? So what did we talk about? We already talked about sort of like the educational part of yep. it. And understanding workouts and your athletes caring, I guess like that demanding more. We talked about that too. Like yeah. Being relentless. And see, this is, this is, this is an interesting one to pick up from the sidelines, right? you and I have watched, we've watched a lot of classes. We've watched a lot of stuff happen in other CrossFit gyms around mm -hmm. the world. We've been to lots of seminars, like all mm -hmm. just things like that. Like we've seen lots of reps. Yeah. Right. And you know, you, let's talk about a squat, for example, like the good coach, are they squatting below parallel? Are they standing up all the way? Mm -hmm. Are their knees out? Mm -hmm. Is their chest up? Mm -hmm. Check marks across the board. That's a good squat. Mm -hmm. Demanding more, the great coach is the one that keep going, keep going. All right, push your knees out a little bit more, a little bit more. I know you can stand up at the top, squeeze your butt. I want you to pull your abs in, reach a little bit further with your butt. I know that you can. Okay, let's stand up. I want you to squeeze your abs now a little bit harder. You get to the bottom, a little bit tighter, a little bit tighter. Pick your chest up. All right, stand. And it is just more and more and more and more because even the best movers can be better. Mm -hmm. And arguably it's the best, it's the good movers are the ones that need that relentlessness because they overlook all the little minor details or they forget about them or they stop paying attention to them. Or they settle. Or they like settle, right. They settle. And yeah. I guess it just comes back to you. If you settle on yourself, you're letting the clients settle. You're settling on the clients. Same mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. So the great coaches are the ones that demand more. And take that one step further is if I just keep saying, pull your knees out, pull your knees out versus... And I watched you do it this morning. Walk up to somebody, put your hand there, say, push your knees out, touch my hand, keep going, keep going, touch my hand. I want you to touch my hand. Making them work for those positions instead of just settling for push your knees out, whatever it might be. Like, again, another layer to that. Yeah. Yeah. And I was going to say, like, I think going from good to great in terms of this relentlessness is the good coach worries they're being annoying and on somebody too much, the great coach knows how to be on somebody and not be that annoying kind of nagging the person, right? Yeah. Like and the great coach understands that they're here to receive that. Yes. Right. That's yeah. why they're paying to be here. And that yeah. is your job to deliver that. And it's your job to find multiple ways to do it. So you're not coming across as push your knees out, push your knees out, push your knees out. Like if that doesn't work in the first one or two cues, you better have something else. To have you ever that. been that person on the other end of that? And you're like, I just, I don't get what they're saying or they keep saying the same thing. And I feel like I'm doing it. Why do they keep saying it to me? Mm -hmm. I think maybe less in the CrossFit world, but in my dance background, for sure. hundred percent. There was always just when yelled. I, when I first started, it was learning how to deadlift. <laughs> Arguably, I still can't deadlift, but you, you should have seen it at the, at the beginning though. It was just, I was one of those people that could not understand how to hinge. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people would say the same things to me. Just push your butt back, yeah. make your back flat, mm -hmm. straighten out your back. Like that doesn't mean anything to me. Mm -hmm. I need you to present this to me differently. And 
this, you get more frustrated about what you're doing because what the information the coach is delivering to you is not working for you. And the people I had worked with were not capable of presenting that information differently Mm -hmm. because they themselves did not understand it enough Mm -hmm. to be able to do that. And then what I walk into this one place with a really great coach who was able to give it to me in different language. And then I was all of a sudden able to deadlift. Kind of better. It was better. It was better. Better. Same. (laughs) Better. And I think too, like being a great coach, you have all of those things in your toolbox. Do you have multiple verbal, visual, and tactile cues so that if something doesn't work, you have something to fall back on over and over again. And so that you don't become this boring, constantly on repeat, push your knees out, like have something every, so that your classes always have this variety in it too. And freshness right? to it. Yeah. Cause then people stop have listening to you. But that's the thing. Seasoned athletes or seasoned clients mm-hmm. become complacent mm-hmm. or disinterested because they're not being challenged. Mm-hmm. And that's when you lose them. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that comes from like a correcting thing, but that also comes from a teaching. Like, can you teach this a different way? Like, can you teach a wall ball a different way or can like, how can you spice things up? So there is the variety. So the person who has been to class for the last month, who has done wall balls, maybe five times, cause it was programmed that many times is not now bored on the fifth time doing the same wall ball progression. Yeah. Like, can you spice it up? And having those tools and resources. Definitely and sometimes it's literally just a, a piece of information that yeah. wasn't presented before. Yeah. Maybe it's a key on breathing or what to do with their arms or a little tip mm-hmm. here and there. And, mm-hmm. you know, maybe let's focus on something different. I mean, last week, I, or not last week, yesterday, I gave them the, the premise of driving through their heels mm-hmm. to try and get them to time the hip extension before their throw properly. Mm-hmm. And like, it was a eye opener for some people. It wasn't something that they had thought about before. Yeah. They're so concerned about the throw. They're thinking about their arms. They're not thinking about what their heels are doing other than they know that their heels have to stay down. You know? So just sometimes it's just like one little key piece of advice. And then now we've got you interested again, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, absolutely. I had somewhere else that I wanted to go with that, but so did I. And I lost again. on this. Training. I know so this many is, tangents were bad for this. You really got to write this This is down. typical for us though. We just keep going. Very typical in our daily life to so just like <laughs> tangent, tangent. Oh yeah, remember this? Um, so we got. Oh, I know what I was going to say. Go. Like you're talking about having this arsenal of different ways mm-hmm. to coach and correct and cue and see things. Like that's a level two thing mm-hmm. that is taught in the level two. And some one thing that makes uh, myself very proud about the way that you put together our internship program is like. Again, here's this level two information that we are providing our interns with so that when our coaches step out on the floor, they might only be level one certified, but they're performing at a level two standard. And that makes me very proud. Yeah. Yeah. And that's super important to me because yeah, those are all the things that are required to be a good coach. Not Not good. A great, great coach. coach. Sorry. Well, yes and no. Like the level two doesn't make you a great coach. No, it doesn't. Makes you a better coach. It does make you a better coach. (laughs) Now we're just throwing words around. (laughs) Um, And I think on the education front too, like constantly seeking out those things you don't know and actively pursuing to understand them. Asking questions. Yeah, for sure. I had actually, I'm just going to throw Michelle out there again yesterday, walked up to me in the middle, like at the end of her class actually approached me in the middle of her class and said, I have a question. I'm going to come back to you later. I was like, yeah. cool. And I had no idea what this question was, but yeah. 
And then she called me after class with them. She said, listen, I've got this person and they're doing this on their wall balls. And I've tried saying this and it's not working. I couldn't get them to change what they're doing. What can I do differently? And I was like, okay, cool. Here's some things, here's some suggestions. She's like, great. I'm going to try that in the next class. Like, the fact that you can understand that what you're doing is not working Mm -hmm. before that, even that you have somebody that has a problem that you are struggling to fix. Mm -hmm. You've tried different things. It's not working. What is the answer? Like the answer is not just to shut yourself down and just, Oh, that's just the way they do this movement Mm -hmm. and just let them be. Mm -hmm. No, like we want to be better Mm -hmm. both you and the clients. So Mm -hmm. let's seek out extra knowledge. Like, find somebody who might be able to fix that and get that knowledge from them. Mm -hmm. I thought that was great that she came up and approached me and asked me that. Right. And like, that's like her relentlessness of needing to be better. Right. And I think, um, and I mean, you were like that too in the beginning too, when you and I would work together. Cause that bothered me. Yeah. It was like, I've got these people doing this and I don't know what to do past what I already know. Yeah. You know, so we recognize that there's this gap in knowledge that I have and it's like, what do I do to fill that? Well, I need to go and find external sources. Sometimes we're not the answer, but you know what I mean? Like sometimes the extra certifications you can get from mm-hmm. CrossFit are also not the answer. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes you need to go outside the box. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe you got to read a book, Yeah. you know, heaven forbid you got to open some pages, but the fact that you are going through this process says many different things. Like mm-hmm. a, you care enough to get that knowledge. You care enough to ask questions. Like it's the people who don't ask questions are the ones that are, are settling, right? Like, yeah. Kind of got lost in my train of thought there, but like <laughs> awkward pause there. Oh boy. <laughs> Get off your soapbox. Cut that up. Up there too I, I just like, if you don't, you have to recognize you have a problem. You have to have the need or the desire to want to fill or fix that problem Mm -hmm. and then have the desire to go through the process to do that. And that whole like process is that growth process, Mm -hmm. right? You seeking out knowledge, the, the, the whole like action of I've got to research this out. I've got to sit down and actually read stuff about this gain this knowledge, test it out. Mm -hmm. Like you now have to go through those things with different clients and different opportunities and different experiences to see if it actually works. Mm -hmm. Like the stuff I could have told her yesterday may not actually work with this particular client, but she'll try. Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't, she'll come back or she'll find different ways on her own to attempt that scenario again. Mm -hmm. And now she's got experience and it's experience that is the key. And don't get experience without growth. Soapbox. I've heard that many times <laughs> from you. And I think too, something that makes a good coach great is not blaming the athlete or their, yeah, their body or whatever they cannot do. And again, that's the complacency and the relentlessness, but it's like, oh, well, so-and-so can't do this because they have poor front rack mobility. Well, okay, maybe, but what have you tried? Have you done anything or are you other than put your elbows up? Yeah. Are you defaulting to this or maybe they can't swap a low parallel? Well, have you tried X, Y, Z? Like, and I think we are coaches can be quick to blame and give excuses for athletes on their behalf, but it's like, no, can you be a better coach and make them a better athlete versus like, Oh, it's just this onward we go same better worse mm-hmm. and, well and trying like try like don't just settle again here we are settling complacency 
but like settling on this is just how they are and how they move right but figuring out different ways to help them which i think michelle did a great job like asking for you like i'm not happy with where this is this isn't working what can i do differently to help this athlete versus that is just how they squat or whatever it was then that's how it's going to be. I also think that pertains to injuries too. So people that are like modifying the workouts to work around an injury, mm-hmm. you know, a good coach will be like, okay, here's other things that you have done in place of this. Just pick one. Yeah. Right. Versus, okay, so you can't necessarily do this right now. Here are some other options I'm going to give you that will elicit the same type of movement we're trying to get out of this workout, right? Like this is a horizontal pulling movement. So here are some other things that we can do to do this, like understanding that a deadlift is a pull in that direction. So any movement that I give them is going to be something that replicates that, you know? So taking that in a step further is not just settling that, oh, you can't squat to full depth. So I'm just going to put a box behind you and that's going to suffice suffice enough. So that every time a squatting movement comes up, that athlete defaults to that because that's comfortable for them. Mm-hmm. Well, what point are like, are you, a, again, involvement, are you involved in the rehab process enough to understand where they are on that rehab process? Mm-hmm. Do you know that they're at a point in the rehab process where you could possibly take that box away and challenge them in different ways? Do you, do you possess the knowledge enough to know what those different ways could be? Mm-hmm. And you know, it just, the chain goes on and on and on good to great for sure. And I mean, that's, don't get me wrong. Yes. I have a university education surrounding that, that gives me that ability to do that, but you guys are my staff and don't have that, that whatever, but you've gone through the desire to want to find out that knowledge. And now you do possess that knowledge to give that, experience to that client you know I think that covers everything it's pretty extensive so when our intern coaches sit there and say I don't I didn't realize just how much goes on behind the scenes like I truly wish that the clients could understand it Mm -hmm. then they would see just how involved and extensive this and like how serious Mm -hmm. we take this like it's not a group fitness class no like that's that is the bare bones of it. Like that is the most superficial piece of it. Mm-hmm. You are here for a group fitness class. If you only knew all the different layers, yeah. like it is truly an onion, yeah. you know? Well, and I think the coolest part is that they don't know. Yeah. Like I love that, that they don't know. And then when we get the odd member turning coach and like, it's just like, holy smokes, like this is actually what this is. I had no idea. Yeah. I love that. Sometimes I think it gets deceived as fun and games. Like mm-hmm. I love coming to CrossFit. I think I want to be a coach mm-hmm. and that's maybe a disconnect to your why. Yeah. Yeah. And arguably that makes a hobby coach and somebody who takes this seriously. Yeah. But a great coach will make it look like, you know what? I had games. somebody say to me the, the other day, it was just in, I actually can't remember who it was or how this conversation came up. Oh, I remember what it was. Somebody was talking about their teenage kid and was preparing for life after high school and different educational opportunities they may be pursuing and um, said it would be good for them to get into the gym so that they could be a part of an environment like this because health and fitness might be something that this particular kid would be pursuing and then followed it up with, you know, you can never make a living being a coach, I know. And I, I didn't say anything at the time. 
I just was carrying on the conversation, but it's funny out of that entire conversation, that's the thing that stuck with me. And that's the difference between this being a hobby job for some and some truly understanding the impact you can have with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You can make a living being a coach, but ultimately that's not the rewarding part. The rewarding part is like, I get to live my day. And like I say this blanketly helping people. Mm -hmm. And then I go to bed at night being like super rewarded that, you know, this one person I'm working with, made it through a 15 minute workout for the first time without having to stop and Mm -hmm. be completely thrown away from this workout or Mm -hmm. they lifted more weight or did something they didn't think like I get to be a part of that every day. Mm -hmm. That's pretty awesome. And I, and I think we have systems in place here that help support all of that stuff that helps support that caring and, like deeper level stuff like bright spot Fridays and momentum Mondays. Like that's another way that we show that we're invested in our membership as well. Start to finish, not just at the front door. Yeah. And not just cheerleading through a group class. Right. Reading the whiteboard. Yeah. (laughs) Kind of look back on like, it would be boring. Like, yeah, you look, it would be boring. boring. Absolutely. It would be so boring. Like I could see if like you did this day in and did up day out and like didn't give a shit how boring that would be. And not even to say didn't give a shit, but like if you just walked in, went from A to Z through your hour and then walked out, like, yeah, you might care and you might have these awesome rewarding conversations and stuff, mm-hmm. but like your involvement is literally A to Z and that's it. Once you leave the building, the extra work that you do is not mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. I don't know. That's just not a life I could live. No. And that's fine. That's kind of, and I'm just going to like, this just separates. This is why we are the way we are. Yeah. And why we do what what we do do in the way we do it. And that's fine. If you don't understand it, it's fine. If it's not like, you know, this just, we surround ourselves with those that have similar needs and wants out of themselves. Right. Mm -hmm. There. The soapbox is getting pretty worn in. <laughs> it's two weeks it's in a row. Reinforcements. <laughs> Maintenance, man. <laughs> I just this, I think this was a topic that we care very deeply about. I was just gonna say it's because we care. Oh, so much caring. But in turn, our members care about us. Yeah. Right? Like how many times do they check in on us and and all of that stuff? And it comes back to surrounding yourself with those types of people. I see a trend. Hmm. Imagine that. It's a good trend. I like it. All right. Okay, now you're getting soft. I also (laughs) see a trend there. Empathy and softness. Episode 44. (laughs) Gotta end it there. From good to great. What makes a coach go from good to great? Hopefully our, um, your experience with us as coaches is something you can agree with all the points we've made. If we're missing the mark on there, I think you better bring that up with us. Well, maybe like reach out and say why that's important to you. Like how has that helped you continue on with your fitness endeavors or how has that impacted your life outside the gym? That was the next question I was going to say, because I think that's one thing that people will join the gym looking for health and fitness. And now all of a sudden they're equipped with these tools and this mindset that they take on greater things outside of the doors of the gym. 
you don't see it in the moment when that 200 pound deadlift becomes a promotion at work or some sort of success in your personal life, whatever it might be. That's a whole other episode. Got some good ideas. Write these down. (laughs) All right. Episode 44. What makes a coach go from good to great? If you have questions, you know where to reach us as always follow our socials, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, and we'll see you next week.